From Innovation Alley at Marquette University, I'm Chuck Swoboda, and this is Innovators on Tap, a show based on the idea that innovation is about leadership. It's a mindset to find a better way, and ultimately, it's about people. These conversations are designed to allow you to open your mind to new ideas and find ways to put those concepts to work. Together, we can solve big problems and maybe even change the world. This season of Innovators on Tap is sponsored by Husco International, a fast-growing, community-oriented company specializing in high-performance hydraulic and electromechanical components. With over 70 years of experience designing and manufacturing these components, Husco takes pride in collaborating with customers to develop innovative solutions. Husco has U.S. locations in Wisconsin and Iowa and global locations in England, Germany, China, and India. A privately owned company that offers more than just a job, a career at Husco is an entrepreneurial experience full of incredible opportunities for growth, creativity, and innovation. Go to husco.com to begin your next adventure and put the lessons you've learned from the podcast to work. Today's guest is Ramsey Hermes, who recently retired from a long career in the automotive industry including the last eight years as the CEO of Shiloh Industries. Throughout this impressive career, Ramsey gained insight, not just about cars and the industry, but about leadership and innovation. He developed the philosophy that where there is a risk of failure, that means there is a problem to be solved. If you embrace that risk, you are embracing the opportunity to change. During his time as CEO, he had to manage the tension between hitting quarterly targets and taking innovation risks, find ways to inspire teams on multiple continents to challenge the status quo, and lead the company's efforts to make sustainability a priority across the entire business. In this episode, we discuss Ramsey's belief that he's never had a bad boss or a bad day, and how he tries to teach this mindset to others. We discuss why he believes that sustainability and diversity are key to any organization that wants to thrive, and what he has planned for his second career post-retirement. That's what's on tap today. Enjoy. Ramsey, welcome and thanks for joining me today on Innovators on Tap. Good to be here with you, Chuck. So I want to rewind a little bit and talk about back when you were choosing college. I understand that your dad said he'd pay for some of your tuition if you got an engineering degree, but he wouldn't pay for anything if you got any other type of degree. And I can relate because honestly, my dad had a very similar philosophy. So I guess the question is, did you want to be an engineer from the start or did your dad's policy kind of push you in that direction? I would say my dad's policy made sure that I leveraged something that I did enjoy. It guided me to do something. And really what my dad's point was, an engineer can become an accountant. An accountant not can't necessarily become an engineer. And so his message was, you know, engineering is about how you solve a problem, how you approach a decision, how to use data to help you formulate that decision. And do that and then go ahead and do whatever you want. But that's a, that's a good way to, to base your career. So I know that you recently retired as CEO of Shiloh Industries, and you were the, I think you were the CEO for about eight years. I'm curious, 
Did you always want to be a CEO? I would say I always I enjoyed leading, and I and I felt that that was uh, I felt that I I was good at it. I could get a lot out of my teams, and so it was something that I aspired to do. Knowing that the buck kind of rests with you, how do you take that that leadership, that accountability? You know, similar to what you've done over your career, Chuck, and, and, and you know what it's like to be a public company CEO. And, you know, in many cases you count the quarters and how many earnings calls you've, you've done and things like that. But at the same time, I would say throughout my career, um, be it uh, a management level or being it, um, to the CEO, the, the opportunity to work with a team and build something and create something. I would say that was more exciting. Than necessarily being the CEO. So what was the best part about the job? Watching the organization realize something that was just words or an idea and then bringing it to a completed product that you can look at it on, on a vehicle. If you look at the new Corvette, the mid-engine Corvette, the first the first mid-engine Corvette um, by General Motors, and that Shiloh had you know three hundred and fifty dollars worth of content on that significant content, and we took that from a concept all the way through to the finished product, and you see it on the road, and you can point to it and say, "My products on that vehicle." So, what's the worst part of the job? Nobody likes to see. You know, a miss. You know, I don't want to, you know, people talk about failure. And, I don't, and, and failure's a, it, sometimes I think that it sends the wrong message. I mean, you know, it's kind of like failure equals learning. So you had an opportunity to learn versus saying I failed, you know. So, I mean, we had the opportunity to learn. To the question of what's the hardest part of what you didn't like about the job is disappointment. You didn't make something happen. But at the same time, I would say that's not the CEO role per se. It's in any role I had. It was never, you always want to win. And how do you use that to drive your, that next challenge? So I know the company was described as a global innovative solutions provider. And, you know, we talk a lot about innovation on the podcast and I think everyone has a different perspective on what that means. So maybe in your words, what do you think made Shiloh innovative? The ability or the desire to solve a problem of tomorrow. When we established our mission, our vision and mission statement, it was about creating a cleaner, healthier environment. It was never about the product that we made. It was more about who we wanted to be. And so that left it wide open. You can, you could do almost anything. And then we said, well, we felt that we could get there through light weighting of a vehicle. When you lightweight a vehicle, it helps reduce greenhouse gas emissions. It helps extend um, you know, uh, the range of a, an internal combustion engine. So then we said we were going to get there by light weighting. And then we talked about what we did. But the first thing was we talked about what was our purpose. So we used our vision to drive um, innovation, not only in what we produced, but how we produced it and how we saw ourselves. So how did you manage this tension that I would assume comes by focusing on innovation and sustainability and becoming carbon neutral and the risks you have to take to do that with 
shareholder expectations because you know in my experience what they really care about is did you hit the quarterly numbers and our next quarter's numbers going up and it would i would imagine there's a a tension there at some amount and so how did you deal with that it's power of and it wasn't do you is it this or that it's we're going to do this and that innovation or an environment doesn't mean that you can't make money doing it it's it's how do you do that and how are we helping enable it what we were creating was a portfolio of products that worked on an internal combustion engine or an electric vehicle and so our focus was on the structure well it doesn't matter what the what the propulsion system is that structure of the vehicle so what we tried to articulate to shareholders is this actually is the next evolution so by being focused on the environment we are creating technologies that enable companies to get there and if you believe in electric vehicle and that's the future well then you should be believing in us because we're going to help make that vehicle manufacturer more successful and solve one of the problems being range of a battery so that was kind of how you articulated back to what you were trying to do. And this is where we we always went back to our purpose and our vision. So if you believe in our vision, then you should believe in our path of what we're trying to achieve. And that was more how we, we built on that. Reading about Shiloh today, they've struggled over the last year or so since you've left. And what do you think's happened to the business? What didn't go as planned? Well, I, I think what you find is um, the environment does change. I mean, when you look at quarter four of last year, you had a long GM strike, which GM was obviously a large customer going into this year, um, 2020. You had COVID-19, which you all see. So you have a business that has a, a substantial, share, let's say, share in China that was down for eight weeks, Europe and North America that was down for, um, as we know, a very long time. And that clearly has put stress on a highly um, capital intensive business. And so that, that has been a challenge. They, they will get through it. They will find, um, the, their, their place and their footing. Again, strong, talented people and a very innovative product portfolio. But it does demonstrate that I think when you go through life, you, you make these, calculated decisions. The challenge always is when you fall, how do you pick yourself back up and learn from that and stay positive, stay optimistic that you can do it again? If you say, I've had a setback once, then then you're done. And who wants to be done? You know, I mean, I get maybe that's part of the attitude. So it is about picking yourself back up and saying, all right, maybe we were a little bit over our skis on, on that jump, but do I give up jumping? No. You know, I came across an article that talks about your leadership style, and I think it really applies to this idea you're teasing out, which is you mentioned that you never had a bad day or a bad boss, and you were quoted as telling your team to learn to take control of an environment and make it their own to create the environment one wants instead of being the victim of a situation it's, it's such an incredible perspective 
I guess the question is, do you think you can teach it to someone as an adult or is it something that they have to have in them from how they grew up or from some other place, but by the time they get to your company? You're never done learning if you want to learn. So you can learn this message or you can learn this at whatever age, at 90. I mean, it, it, it's not about, is it nine or 90? It's, it's, it's from beginning to end. And so the reason why I said that, it's not that I didn't have difficult jobs. It's not that I didn't work for difficult people. It was, how do you find that common ground of what we're trying to achieve? And then, and then take control of over that. And, 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 and that's how I've really approached, um, you know, most of my, I say my career. In many cases, the jobs I took, somebody else had them before me and maybe failed or didn't succeed or they quit. And so part of my, I'd say my, you know, I had a number of promotions, um, CEO relatively young in my career was because I was willing to take jobs that nobody else wanted. It, it, it was taking the job to going into in chaos or crisis. And, and then because if you, if you didn't succeed, everybody said, well, you, you were doomed from going into it so that their expectations were, were low. And then if you did succeed there, it was like, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, this kid figured it out. And, and so I, I, I pursued those types of situations. So it's not that they weren't difficult or I worked for difficult people. It was, how do you take control of that situation? Yeah, I often get asked for career advice and I always tell people that, well, I didn't really have a plan. I just solved the problem that was available to be solved. And what you find out is if you're willing to take on problems and you have some success doing it, people will give you more opportunity to do that. Right. And so instead of looking for the job you want, look for the problem that needs to be solved. And that usually leads to the next opportunity, at least it did for me. Right. And I, and I think that's sound advice, really. So you made sustainability a really big part of the company strategy. And I'd like to come back to that. What motivated and drove you to go down that path and take the company there as well? I think it's important that we 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 do things to help the environment. And then you ask how, and back to the statement of being a victim, I can say, well, everybody else has to do something. And, you know, you know, the oil guys need to do this. This guy needs to do this. You know, the, the power plants need to do this. Everybody else has to do something. Or you can ask the question, what can I do? And when you ask the question, what can I do? to drive change? How do I allow, allow, not allow myself to be a victim? That's where we said, well, what can we do? And that's what Shiloh was able to produce was we can lightweight a vehicle. And I, and I think that's how you can approach any problem that you have in front of you was not focus on what somebody else can do, which means that you're a victim to somebody else's actions versus taking ownership and saying, what can I do? And I think that's really how we generated um, the concept of, of how we can improve the environment. Yeah, it reminds me of a saying that uh, I've used from time to time. Um, people would come to me and say, I'd like to be more empowered. And I always said, well, I really can't help you there. You have to empower yourself. And it's a little bit of what you're suggesting is, is that 
Look, what are you going to do about it? And it's amazing when you change that perspective, you have way more ability to shape your future and the future than anyone thinks. Uh, But you have to decide that's what you want to do first and not wait for it to happen to you. So what piece of wisdom would you give to a young entrepreneur or innovator in terms of how they should go about creating their own successful career? One of the things that if you look at somebody said a successful career would be to be the CEO. And if you assume that for everybody, you, you've, you've made the, the mistake of assuming everybody wants to be a CEO. And I, and that's, that's a mistake some people have. Here's your career path. And you, you take this job, you take this job and then you move along there versus trying to understand what does one envision success and success may be in a job that allows me to take care of my family, send them my kids to school and college, but be home every night at five o'clock so I can coach my son or daughter's soccer team. And so when I, when I talk to somebody about career and career development, it's what do you, where do you see yourself? What are you looking to try to do? Not only in your career as being a, a, um, a person who in the working world, but what success as you look at your family? What success as you look at your friendships? What success as you go forward? Because the ideal thing is, how do you make that complete package? If you're enjoying this episode and want to learn more about how you can discover the mindset to pursue the impossible, please check out my new book, The Innovator's Spirit, where I explain the beliefs that lead to the behaviors that make innovation possible. It is available on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Now, let's get back to the show. And now I want to go into a series of questions that get more into your mindset and how you view certain aspects of of really innovation, entrepreneurship, and business leadership. And you touched on this a little bit earlier, but I'm going to ask it again. Do you think your successes come more from avoiding failure or embracing failure? I would say by embracing failure. And I say that because typically where there's the risk of failure, um, using your own words, it's typically where there's a problem that needs to be solved. And so the low risk is the problem solved and you're maintaining. But if you're really trying to improve or drive continuous improvement, you're usually attacking a problem. And when you're attacking a problem, there's always a risk of failure. So if you embrace that risk, therefore, then you're, you're embracing the opportunity to change. If you're going to pursue innovation, what's more important, the brutal truth or psychological safety? You need that comfort level where people can um, think and speak openly and freely. But at the same time, that brutal truth of, hey, listen, we're going to have to go. The fight's going to be ugly. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. So it almost is an and. You, You need to create that and of how do you have that brutal truth and create an environment that has that psychological safety as well. So when you are personally confronted with a problem, is your approach more likely to be think outside the box, build a better box, 
or set the box on fire and start over? I would say all three work. And that's, and that's really, you know, one of the things that I tell people, there is never one way to solve a problem. There's multiple paths. The question is, which one of those paths can get you there faster? They all can work. It's when is the best to apply that alternative? So when you're evaluating talent for your team, what do you believe is the most important trait or skill set or characteristic about them for their future success? Trust, honesty, and grit. I'd say the three that I'd look at and trust is you have to, you have to be able to trust in that person that from a relationship, from a standpoint, are, are we working together? Honesty, honest, to be honest to you, to be honest with themselves and, and grit, I, I guess, you know, willingness to be in the trenches and fight for the, the cause. And somebody has gone back and I'll say, challenged me once and say, yeah, but what about performance? Um, you know, what have they done for, what, what have they done? What have they completed? And at the same time, if you're talking to somebody younger, you know, young in their career, if, if you said I had to measure their performance and everything that they did, you're basically saying you'd never give a 23-year-old a shot because they wouldn't have anything to demonstrate. But they can demonstrate examples of, you know, when, when they were honest and or they had grit. We're talking to engineers, if you put them on an X-axis and Y-axis, yeah, you want the guy who's a high performer and high trust and high integrity. You want that top right quadrant, you know, because that means they have maximum performance and maximum trust and, and grit. But, you know, you, then you start deciding what's more important to you, you know, having somebody who's going to continue to fight and stick it out and have operate with integrity and trust. I, I think you would say you would want more of that and you can work through the performance side. So is your personal decision bias to limit your downside or to maximize your upside? Oh, I was always went for the higher reward, greater risk. You know, that's kind of, you know, I, I think that's, 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 that's what drives you. And I, and that comes back to you, you, you can go that way when you know you're going to pick yourself up. Failure is, um, it, it's a reality, but it's never an accepted option, but it is a, re it, it happens. And so then it's the excitement of what did I learn? How do I go back and how do I, how do I rebuild? And, and, and rebuilding and creating is it for me is a lot of fun. Well, this has been awesome. And before we wrap up, I guess what I'd like to ask you, is there something you wish we would have talked about or you want to bring up? I, I'd say what, you know, from a today's um, environment and what's going on from a, you know, diversity and an inclusion aspect of, of teams, I, I really encourage you know, from a, from a student standpoint and from where we're at is keep, a, keep really an open mind and, and diversity is, um, something that's going to come up in leadership roles going forward. And how we define ourselves as leaders is really going to be, um, different. I think, I think young leaders graduating from university, um, today, uh, it's going to be harder 
than it was for 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 my generation. I mean, I think it was a little bit more clear cut on what's the steps and what makes a good leader. And there was the definition of this is what a good leader looks like and does. I think today um, there's going to be more pressure on how you solve a problem, how you look at and build teams. And I think it's going to be important for, you know, people graduating from university today is to spend more time thinking about it. And you said it earlier, Chuck, about, you know, just going out and doing something. And I think that's what is really what we're going to say is how do we own it and how do we, how do we spend some time doing that and embracing that? Ramsey, this has been phenomenal. I think your advice and insight is just incredible. I can't wait for our audience to hear this. And I want to thank you so much for being on the show and I wish you the best of luck. Thank you very much. Thanks to Ramsey for joining me in Innovators on Tap and sharing some lessons from his outstanding career, including his advice that there is never one way to solve a problem. There are multiple paths. The question is, which one of those paths can get you there faster? I would also encourage you to embrace his suggestion to don't let best get in the way of better. We want to thank all of you who have embraced this show and helped us grow our audience so far, including our sponsor, Husco International. While we are proud of our success, we're just getting started and hope that you'll tell your friends about the show. We would also really appreciate it if you would take a minute to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Please note that we have additional resources available on our website at innovatorsontap.com, including transcripts, articles, and an option to sign up for the Innovation Alley newsletter. Thanks for joining us on this journey, and let's go change the world.